الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان ابراهيم كان امه قانتا لله حنيفا ولم يكن من المشركين شاكرا لانعمه وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كلكم راع وكلكم مسؤول عن رعيته او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Sayyidina Ibrahim ala Nabiina wa alayhi salatu wa salam His sacrifices The lessons that he left for us His legacy The sacrifices of his family And this is something that year in and year out We are reminded by the very Aspects of deen that Allah Ta'ala has placed upon us The qurbani that we will shortly perform Is filled with the reminder of Ibrahim and his son Ismail the Hajj is filled with the reminders of this family <coughs> and this is something that we have to keep fresh in our minds and hearts and to follow in this direction that was given to us Ibrahim after all is that personality that on the one hand Allah himself declares in the Qur'an Sharif, what a comprehensive nature he had. إِنَّ إِبْرَاهِيمَ كَانَ أُمَّةً قَانِتًا لِلَّهِ حَنِيفًا Ibrahim was an ummah. One man, an ummah. One man, a nation. How can one man be a nation? So there's two explanations that the Mufassirin give of this. One is that the qualities that normally are scattered in numerous people, everybody will have a basic degree of it, but excelling in those qualities, you'll find somebody excelling in one, somebody excelling in another, another person excelling in something else. But it is not very often that you find somebody at the height of it all. And Ibrahim was one such personality, Allah had gathered all the great good qualities in the height of excellence in Ibrahim He was a person filled with tolerance and somebody who would turn to Allah repeatedly and someone who was totally bonded with Allah This is one ayat, there's so many ayats filled with the description of the qualities of Ibrahim so the qualities that he possessed made him an ummah. One man became a nation. And on the other side, that he was a true leader. One man was a nation in the sense that he was a leader in a manner that he led and he left such a legacy behind. That Allah's Nabi Sallallahu in the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala is commanding him, وَاتَّبِعْ مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ حَنِيفًا That you also follow the millat and the way of Ibrahim that Millat Hanif, that Ibrahim was Hanif, 
Hanif is one who has totally cut himself from anything and everything besides Allah Ta'ala. And anyone and everyone besides Allah Ta'ala. And bonded himself to Allah Ta'ala alone. Imagine Nabi Islam is being told, though he has a higher rank than every Nabi and every creation of Allah Ta'ala. But in principle, to highlight the personality of Ibrahim A.S. Nabi Islam is being told, وَاتَّبِعْ مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ حَنِيفًا Ibrahim Salam left a legacy in many, many things which we are to follow. The legacy in submission. <coughs> totally submit oneself to Allah Ta'ala. Slaughter your son, he's ready. Slaughter your son, he's ready for it. Going to be thrown in the fire <coughs> and he's about to be, now about to fall into the fire. He's airborne. And at that time, He's offered the help of the angels, Hazrat Salatu Salam. He says, Allah Ta'ala ordered you to come. He says, No, he didn't order me. I took his permission. So, Amma ilayka fala. Then, Allah Ta'ala knows best. I won't take help from anybody else. The legacy of tawakkul and trust in Allah Ta'ala. And in this manner, many, many things. And among these various things, the legacy that he left and the lessons that he taught of what is the principles upon which to nurture one's children. And that is what we have to take a lesson about. This is one of the greatest challenges of the time. The upbringing of children. Indeed, with the passing of time, these challenges are getting more and more. (coughs) On the one hand, we are responsible to make our full effort. We will be responsible for our effort. And we will be accountable for how much of effort we made and what we did. The end result is in nobody's hand but Allah Ta'ala. Hidayat is in Allah Ta'ala's hands. But we'll be questioned about what we did, how we went about it. And if we fulfilled our responsibility, then inshallah we will not be accountable to the court of Allah Ta'ala. But nevertheless, we're going to learn from the way of the Abiyya and the principles that they laid down. The times have changed, the times have changed drastically. We say the times have changed, but in reality it's not the times, we have changed. Time is still time. The same sun is rising, and the same sun is setting, which rose and set centuries ago, ever since the world came into existence. The same day and the same night, it hasn't changed. The days in summer, what they used to be in South Africa or in Peter Marisburg, 200 years ago, it's the same length of time in summer. Today's date, 500 years ago also, its sun rose the same time and set the same time. The time hasn't changed. But the people in the time have changed. But the principles won't change. As one person, and surprisingly, this was a non-Muslim writer. A non-Muslim writer describing then and now. So it was an elderly person, and he had seen then, then meaning some 40, 50 years ago. And he's talking obviously about his society. So can we imagine that even in a society where there was no imam, because was a non-Muslim writer, but there were some general basic values, which were human values. Any human possessed these values. He's writing about then and now, so he says that then, about 40-50 years ago, if a father suddenly walked into the room of his son, so out of respect that son would rise, he would stand up. 
40, 50 years ago, that out of respect, now the father just walked in, so out of respect he would stand up. And he says, now, if the father has to walk into the room, then maybe he'll get a very a glance from the corner of the eye, and what he would probably be told is that you are invading my privacy. So that was then, this is now, that you are invading my privacy. And then there was the situation where the whole family would be there waiting for him to come back home after he's come back from a long day of work and he would be welcome and the whole family would now be happy to receive him and they would sit with him and have supper with him and now he might come home he might find one nice note on the fridge stuck with a beautiful magnet maybe he gave that as a present for Eid also <laughs> and under that might be a beautiful note to say so and so is gone for sports training so and so is gone for some drama classes there's a big drama carrying on now. So and so is gone for drama classes. And our wife is writing all this. And that daughter is gone for Taibo lessons. And I'm having coffee with my friends tonight. The pizza is in the fridge. You and the pizza can carry on. Pizza is in the fridge. So that was then. This is now. It might be a little just on the lighter side. But unfortunately, it's a reflection of much of things that are happening. Allah Ta'ala protect us and safeguard us. This is the norm in Western society. To the extent that we are getting deeper into that way of life, these things are creeping into our society. Whereas these things were unheard of in a Muslim society. But to the extent that we are adopting the Western way of life, these things are creeping up. It's not possible that when a person takes a certain way of life, he can start picking and choosing. It comes completely. It will come with everything. It will come with all his problems. It will come with all the tragedies that we see in society that happen. So in any case, these times in that sense has changed. Many things have changed from what it was. But the principles will never change. The same principles that existed from the time Nabi Sallallahu taught it to the Ummah. From the time the Qur'an Sharif was revealed, and Nabi Sassu taught it, and these are principles from even before, which the Qur'an Sharif is further emphasizing. Those same principles will have to be adopted for the success of this time until Qiyamah. So what are these principles? If you look into the life of Ibrahim Salaam, then there would be five basic principles we can summarize it in. Many, many more things, but we can for our purposes just summarize it into five things. And if we try to bring these five things in our system, in our way of nurturing and upbringing, and make our mindset accordingly, this is the heart of the matter, the mindset. Many a times, we make some changes on the sides, some changes externally. Like the vehicle, we, the body work now, sometimes it goes after five years, one light gets changed on the side, some little bit of the shape is changed, everything else is the same, nothing else has changed. The color has changed, before it was a more plain color, now it became more metallic. But the same engine, everything else is the same. So that is just cosmetic. Sometimes the improvements we make also are just cosmetic. 
But the heart and mind hasn't changed. The heart and mind is still that same Western way of thinking. As a result, everything now will try to be trimmed and fitted. We want to do the right thing, but trimmed and fitted into that way of life that it already has settled in our hearts and minds. So the heart of the matter is the heart itself. That that heart and mindset must become the heart and mindset that the Quran Sharif has taught. That Rasulullah has taught. Then everything else that comes through this mold that we've created in the heart, the mold of Shariat, the mold of Sunnat, and everything will come out accordingly. So in any case, these five principles, the first principle is fickle. Concerns. Concern for offspring. Ibrahim when Allah Ta'ala says to him, Inni nasi imama. I'm going to make you a leader for mankind, leader for people. So what is his immediate response? Now if he's going to be the leader, obviously Allah Ta'ala is making him that leader, he's going to lead straight to Jannah. His first concern, Allah, what about my progeny? The first principle concern, and this figure is the key. When that figure is there, then this opens the doorway forward. But the question is, the figure of what? Every parent has figure, obviously. Which parent doesn't have figure? Which parent is not concerned? But the question is, what is our concern about? If our concern is primarily the concern for the material, that is the primary concern. And that is the main concern. That my son must have, and my daughter must have a very, very comfortable life in dunya. And they must have the wealth of the world. And they must be <coughs> flying high in society. And all these kind of things. If that is going to be the main concern and the primary concern, then there's going to be major problems in life. There's no harm in making an effort to provide the halal ni'mats of Allah Ta'ala for ourselves or our children. And, and as the Sadiq Nabi Waqqas was once very sick and he thought he's going to now pass away, so Nabi Sallallahu came to visit him and he said, I want to give everything away in Sadaqah. Nabi Sallallahu forbade him. Eventually he allowed him, okay, one third, maximum one third. And then he said to him, إِنَّ كَ أَنْتَذَرَ وَرَثَتَكَ أَغْنِيَاءَ خَيْرٌ مِّنْ أَنْتَذَرَهُمْ عَالَةً لِتَكَفَّفُ النَّاسِ that you leave your children with something is better than you leave them empty-handed and now they're spreading their hands in front of others. This is not forbidden. But there are limits and this is not the primary concern. The primary concern is that this child must get the everlasting comfort of akhirat. The comfort of dunya to the extent in the halal manner within the limits of deen, no problem. But the primary concern is how we can get the everlasting comfort of Akhirat. And when that is going to be the concern, Allah Ta'ala will make even dunya comfortable for him. The one who has Iman and Amal Salihah in his life, Allah Ta'ala is promising, will give him Hayat al-Tayyiba, a good life. The good life is really inside the heart. Otherwise, many a person... He's got everything that money can buy and he's got more money than he can ever dream of. What are you going to do with it? 
person says, but I, you know, I don't know what to do, how to carry on with life. Says, sometimes I have all these funny thoughts. They call it funny, nothing funny about it. person is saying, I get suicidal thoughts. He's sitting in the lap of wealth and he can't count how much he's got. And he says, I get thoughts of suicide. So this in itself is not something that will guarantee anything. But when it comes with the order, with the obedience of Allah ta'ala, and it comes with barakat, then it will be nurun ala nur. So in any case, the point is that the concern, that's the first thing, that the concern for our children, that how can we make their akhirat? And in order to make their akhirat, we've got to make their dini tarbiyat in dunya. Then their akhirat will get made. <coughs> So this is the first lesson and the first principle that Ibrahim teaches us, the principle of concern, that we have to be concerned about our children. This concern for the children, the concern that their tarbiyat is our responsibility. So we have to assume this responsibility. Every one of you is a shepherd, he'll be questioned about his flock. And this is the responsibility of both parents. Many a times the fathers, they delegate this to the mothers. And when that son achieves something, and he says, did you see my son? And even haywire, then he says, your son. When it's right, that is my son. If he does anything out of turn, that is your son. Whereas both are responsible equally for the tarbiyat of the child. And therefore, both need to coordinate the tarbiyat. The mother and father need to coordinate it. That both are taking the child in one direction. Now somebody is pulling in one direction, and somebody is pulling in the other direction. Who gets torn in between? And what happens to the child? How confused it leaves him? And it might sound harsh, but the reality is that this is something sometimes, it's a very selfish thing. But just in order for me to have my say, I will stick on what I've just said. Though I now realize it wasn't the right thing to have suggested to do. But my say must happen. So now if I said that this is what the child will do, that is what he must do. Even though now, on hindsight, I already have realized that my suggestion is not right. When I said one thing, and his mother said something else, so I will move one inch from where I am. Isn't that the height of selfishness towards the child? We have understood something is not in the best interest of the child. But why must I lower myself? In the process, the child is in a turmoil. He can't seem to understand which direction to go. Somebody is saying one thing, somebody is saying the other thing. He's trying to please both parents. But in, one in the east, one in the west, how is he going to please them? Now he tries to please one, the other one is displeased with him. And all for the personal issues. Not because it's in the best interest of the child. So the main very important aspect is the coordination. Then together with the coordination, there are many, many issues, we're just touching on a few things, that there has to be a very happy relationship between the parents for the proper tarbiyat of the child. Many a times this happens, that young people come up, and they say that, I want to run away from home. I just can't handle it anymore. There's constant fights between my parents, I can't handle it. Now, this is a rare situation that there won't be any difference of view and any difference of opinion and sometimes somebody is not going to get upset. It happens everywhere. 
But we have to bottle those emotions for a moment when it's out of sight of the children. Then we settle whatever it is and sort it out. But to understand that what impact this is having on the child's heart and mind, that is vitally important. What we are saying, how are we conducting ourselves? For that proper nurturing of the child, this is also very important. The happy relationship between the parents. So in any case, this is the first usul, first principle. And then together with this, in this concern is that this concern starts off right from the time that the child has been born. It is not something that will start off from the time the child is now going into kindergarten class or something. It starts off right at that stage. Often we have this that she's still small. He's still small. Sometimes that child is dressed, that girl is dressed in such a way that only some loose woman outside or will dress like that. But for her it's okay, she's still small. But nobody is still small. If it was something that that child is not taking an impact in that early stage of life, then Dean would not have commanded us, maybe Islam would not have taught us that when the child is born, immediately the child is barely moments old or a few minutes old, as soon as possible, give the azan and the takbir in the ears of the child. There is nothing that Nabi Islam has taught which is now also be love futile. Nabi Islam hasn't taught us anything futile. And at that stage of that child's life, we are being taught give the azan and takbir. If that child was not taking an impact, then this would not have been told to us. But already at that time, the child is taking an impact. So this teaching is given to us. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. In the azan six times. And then the shahadatin also in between. And then again in the takbir. Another six times, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. The greatness of Allah Ta'ala is embedded, being embedded in the heart of that child. That he must grow up with this greatness of Allah Ta'ala in his heart. So already from that moment, and in fact, even now science has come to agree and accept that let alone after the child is born, while the child is still in the womb of the mother, it's taking an effect. And this Awakabin's incidents are so there's so much in it. It was him or one of them that when he was still barely few years old and said, well, let him make him start hymns, start the Quran chanir. So he started Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillah. He just started on reading. And he read Kotapara. He says, where did he got this Kotapara from? So then he realized that when his mother used to Okay, this was after birth. But while he was still being expected, she would constantly make the out of this one quarter. And a child of that small age, he read the whole thing, one hit. From that time he was imbibing it. So it's not something that that child is small, nobody is small. And nowadays, the small children teach adults more things. So one father, he thought he was... I mean, now time, so he sat down with his son. He said, you know, we need to have a man-to-man talk. So the son asked him, what do you want to know? <laughs> so, this is how things have changed. <laughs> so the thing is that the main issue is this concern, this fikr. So this is the first principle that we learn from this incident of Ibrahim, 
Then the second principle that we learn from his life is that what aspiration we have for that child. Now this is linked to what we just discussed. But this aspiration, as we said, has to be like the concern, the aspiration primarily of the progress of this child in deen. That whatever he does, everybody is not going to happen that everybody is going to become an alim. Everybody is going to become a hafiz. There's great fadail for this. That's first prize. And we should have no doubts in our mind about that. That that child of ours who is himself, many a times, unfortunately, this happens, that somebody is asking for advice, how do I go about this to convince my parents? I want to study deen, and they won't have anything about it. They are not prepared to entertain even the discussion. And my heart is yearning, I want to study deen and become an alim, but there is no way that they would even listen to my whatever I want to say. So we should have no doubt in our hearts and minds about that this is first prize. Everything else is a consolation prize. There's no harm in doing anything else which is permissible, but we should know what is what in terms of the categories. So in any case, if somebody is becoming some, whatever field, whatever profession is taking up, whatever career is taking up, but the aspiration of the parents must be that he must be Muslim first. Whatever else is second. But he must be Muslim first. And his own outlook must not be material. Whatever he's choosing as a field of study or whatever, he must be looking at how can I use this also for the service of deen in some way and the service of the makhluk of Allah. And in that process my rosy will come also. Whatever is decreed for me can't go anywhere. But how can I use this in some way for the service of deen also? and for the service of the makhluk of Allah Ta'ala. So that primary aspiration must be the aspiration of deen. And if that is the aspiration, then our decisions will be guided accordingly. And if the aspiration is primarily dunya, and this we learn from, again from the life of Ibrahim Salaam, that what was his aspiration? His aspiration was primarily deen. So just, just before we come to this, as we said, that if our aspiration is primarily dunya, then this can sometimes be very dangerous, will make very dangerous decisions. Many a times, person very easily and comfortably makes the decision that my daughter now is going to study somewhere, she'll be in another part of the country, another part of the world, and well, she's going to be, going to have this education, so now she will be alone, wherever she is, how she'll be continuing, which part of the world, China or Hong Kong. And everybody is quite comfortable with it because she has to have an education. And then sometimes when the person is being reasoned with, says, but what if she gets divorced? She hasn't got married yet. He's already in house will be preparing for a divorce. Indeed, there are major problems sometimes that are encountered which need to be addressed. But this pessimistic outlook and then this dangerous decision and often that manner of life that she has now been put into becomes the reason of whatever happens later. But where did this stem from? The primary, primary aspiration was dunya. So deen was sidelined. If deen can fit into it, well and good. Otherwise, no. But Ibrahim, 
He's been ordered by Allah, leave your wife and child in this barren place. So he does that. And now he leaves. And when he's out of sight, he tells Allah, Allah, I've left my wife and child, my family in this barren place. Why? What is his dua? He's leaving now. He's leaving them there without any outward apparent support. No means of survival. But the first thing he's saying, Rabbana salah. Allah so that they will establish salah. They'll be linked to you. The primary aspiration is salah. The primary aspiration is salah. Salah is the greatest amal in deen. So the primary aspiration is deen. And yes, they need to have some kind of support on an outward level. فَجْعَلْ أَفْئِدَةً مِنَ النَّاسِ إِلَيْهِمْ Ya Allah, cause the hearts of people to become inclined towards them. So they will come, they will settle down also in this place and they will have some support of people as well. And they need some means of survival. وَرْزُقْهُمْ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَشْكُرُونَ Ya Allah, bless them with the fruit. And this dua of Ibrahim till this day, we witness the effects of it, that the fruit of the world will be available in Makkah Mukarramah and hardly anything grows there. And the best fruit of this country also, we won't find it anywhere, we won't be able to see it and buy it, but it will be available in Makkah Shalim. So this was a dua. But first was Liyuqimus Salah. And then these things, and these na'mats also, Ya Allah grant them these na'mats, but the end result of these na'mas also must be that they must get back to you. Allah grant them the fruit and the benefits of dunya so that they may make shukr and become grateful servants of yours. Even that dunya na'mat also must bring them back to you. The primary aspiration is deen. And when the primary aspiration will be deen, then the direction will be in the correct manner. Then the correct direction will be in front of <coughs> And dunya will come. Dunya, whatever is muqaddar, whatever is destined for us, will come. We can't escape it. Try to run away from it, it will come. There's no time to go into these anecdotes, but one person said that, where did this come from? That, you know, you, what is destined for you will come. I will see how this works. One day he came home, so his mother said, there's a food, eat. So he said, well, this I'm not eating. I will see who's going to make me eat. And in order to just try and prove his point, he ran away and he went and slept away in the Qabristan, just outside there. He thought nobody's going to come here. His mother somehow, mother is a mother. So she traced somewhere where he is. She took that pot and left it next to him. He was fast asleep. She said, well, he'll wake up. My son will be hungry. In any case, he'll eat the food later. Sooner or later, he'll eat it. And he was fast asleep there and fell in such a deep sleep, it became dark. It became dark. Some people with some other sinister motive coming to rob and covered Fasad, they were now passing through, taking a shortcut through this Qabristan. Now they see the strange sight here, this person is sleeping here, and there's this pot of food here. So now it came to their mind, it seemed like something is not normal, where you find this kind of thing happening? See, it seemed like this is a trap for us. That this fellow is just pretending to sleep here, this food is poisoned. And they are expecting that we're going to take the shortcut, we'll find this food, we'll eat it, that'll be the end of us. We'll make this fellow eat it first. <laughs> so they woke him up, and told him, eat. Now he had taken a vow, not going to eat. So they gave him one shot. <laughs> so now he still refused, they gave him a few more. So now he was forced to eat. 
when he ate any case, they saw nothing happened to him, they carried on. So now finally he came home. So his mother asked him, you ate? So he said, yes, definitely I ate. And I realized that what you, is this time for you must come. You don't want to eat it nicely, you'll touch it anyway. <laughs> so sooner or later it's going to come, you're going to have to eat it. You can't escape it anywhere. So in any case, this is the lesson that what is muqaddar will come. But make the aspiration primarily deen. And in this way we'll find that dunya also will come with afiyat. It will come with barakat. It become a means of sukoon. And what is in the hereafter, that direction that a person has taken, that is beyond imagination. So this was the second principle that we have been taught by Brahman Salaam. Then the third thing that we learn from his life is the aspect of dua. That dua is something that unfortunately we pay little attention to. Allah Abdul Wahab Sha'arani he says that the most effective thing in tarbiyat of children is dua. But which is unfortunately neglected. One is dua that while we are just sitting after namaz now, we raise our hands, our heart and mind is in the shop, and our tongue is making some dua, and we don't even know what we are saying. So dua in a very, in a manner with complete concentration, devotion, the heart in that dua, for the barakat, first some duas of the Qur'an Sharif, duas of the Sunnah, then a person is asking in the manner he can understand best, and begging Allah Ta'ala's help, and repeatedly begging, and among all the duas, are the dua of the time of tahajjud. Many a person says that, when everything was being haywire, eventually, for the first time in my life, I got tawfiq of tahajjud, which I was like forced to make up, wake up for tahajjud now. Because I was so parishan, I couldn't even sleep. And after having made dua at that time, barely some weeks passed and everything started turning around. So in any case, dua, and we learned this again from Ibrahim al-Salaatu wasalam, Rabbi habli min as-salihin, his dua, Allah grant me pious offspring. وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ رَبِّ جَعَلْ هَذَا الْبَلَدَ آمِنًا وَجْنُبْنِي وَبَنِيَّ أَنْ نَعْبُدَ الْأَصْنَامِ Ibrahim is making dua. Who is Ibrahim is making dua. And he's making dua. Ya Allah, make this place a place of peace. بَلَدًا آمِنًا وَجْنُبْنِي وَبَنِيَّ أَنْ نَعْبُدَ الْأَصْنَامِ Ya Allah, save me and my son, my progeny. From what? person who is soaked in tawheed and he's saying, Ya Allah, save us from idol worship. He's making dua. Ya Allah, save us from idol worship. Have we made that dua? Have I made it? Ya Allah, save me from idol worship. <coughs> Alhamdulillah, summa alhamdulillah. It is Allah Ta'ala's fazal and karam that we haven't bowed down and are not bowing down to any idol, to any cow, to any tree, to any stone. Only Allah Ta'ala's grace. Allah Ta'ala keep us on Iman and take us on Iman. But at the same time, we have to check in our hearts. Are there any idols we are worshipping inside? By any chance are we worshipping the idol of wealth? If that wealth allows me to perform my salah on time, well and good. If the acquisition of that wealth says not now, it's too busy now. Then who am I worshipping? Allah Ta'ala's Muazzin is called Hiyal al-Salah, Hiyal al-Falah. And the wealth is telling me not now. So who am I worshipping? 
It's not that shirk which makes a person come out of the fold of Islam, obviously. But it's a kind of shirk. Afara'ayta manittakhada ilahahu hawa. Allah Ta'ala says, have you seen that person who's made his desires his deity? What he desires, that is what he does. So the idol of wealth, has that become an idol? Are you worshipping that? The idol of sport. The idol of illicit things. And all the other haram. The idols that we are getting stuck on to on our phones. So Ibrahim is making this dua. وَجْنُبْنِي وَبَنِيَّ أَنْ نَعْبُدَ الْأَصْنَامِ A dua for our children. Dua with great amount of fervor. Dua in a way that truly brings down the rahmat of Allah ta'ala, brings down his assistance and help. And this is something we can't expect that we make dua one time and now we are waiting for the result. As if that dua was something that we deserve everything in return. If Allah Ta'ala doesn't take us to task for how we make dua, that too will be His grace. Allah. But we have to continue. We have to keep making the effort. So in any case, this was the third principle, the aspect of dua. And this we find in the life of Rasulullah filled with dua. So this is something we have to inculcate. Then together with dua, this is something that we understand very well in terms of dunya, that together with dua is dua also. That while there is dua, there is also an effort with the dua. Person for dunya, he doesn't sit at home and make dua and doesn't go out to make an effort. In fact, unfortunately, we forget to make dua before going out to make the effort. We run out first, and when things are going haywire, then we come to make dua. Whereas it must start off with dua, and the dua as well. So while this dua must continue, the concerted effort must also be made. And Ibrahim Islam made such an effort that Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala describes this in the Quran Sharif that وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ لِأَبِيهِ وَقَوْمِهِ إِنَّنِي بَرَاءٌ مِّمَّا تَعْبُدُونَ I am totally free from the shirk that you are committing. إِلَّا الَّذِي فَطَرَنِي فَإِنَّهُ سَيَهْدِينَ I only worship Allah Ta'ala who created me. So he totally distanced himself from shirk. <coughs> He established himself from Tawheed and then وَجَعَلَهَا كَلِمَةً بَاقِيَةً فِي أَقِبِهِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ The crux of this is that he made such an effort that it became established in his progeny also. So it was not something that he just confined to himself. He made an effort for his progeny. وَجَعَلَهَا كَلِمَةً بَاقِيَةً فِي أَقِبِهِ So in any case, this effort has to be made together with the dua. What is this effort to be made on? Primarily three things. Many things, but bring it down primarily to three things. The first is on the iman of the child. To make an effort on the iman of the child, this we learn from Rasulullah The same story of often we say is still too small. Not too small. Nabi Islam is riding. But Abdullah bin Abbas is a young child and he's riding behind Nabi Sallallahu on the same conveyance. Nabi Sallallahu says to him, Ya Hulam, O young boy, wa'allimuka kalimat. I want to teach you some things. Nabi Sallallahu is teaching him. What is he teaching him? He's a young child. Young child, you say, well, what do you teach him? You teach him some nursery rhymes. 
The Prophet is teaching him, You look after the commands of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will look after you. You look after the commands of Allah Ta'ala, meaning you be obedient to Allah Ta'ala. You'll find Allah Ta'ala with you. إِذَا سَأَلْتَ فَاسْأَلِ اللَّهِ Who's been taught? A young boy, a young child. When you ask, ask from Allah Ta'ala. وَإِذَا اسْتَعَنْتَ فَاسْتَعِنْ بِاللَّهِ You want help? You're seeking help? Seek help from Allah Ta'ala. Imagine at that young age, he's a little boy, and he's been taught iman. He's been taught tawakkul. He's been taught connecting himself with Allah Ta'ala. You need something? Ask from Allah Ta'ala. You want help? Ask from Allah Ta'ala. One day the father may close his eyes suddenly. And it's going to happen to anyone and everyone. And it could happen sometimes that that young child is still not yet on his own feet as we say. But he's been connected to Allah Ta'ala. <coughs> so the natural grief, that is human nature. But he doesn't feel overwhelmed. My support is Allah Ta'ala. My pillow of strength is Allah Ta'ala. My father was my outward means of supporting me, but he also was supported by Allah Ta'ala. So he is not overwhelmed. He is not falling into a depression. He is naturally grieved. That is human nature. But his link in Allah Ta'ala, he can continue with life. Because where he was linked to, that Allah is ever living. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi is teaching him, إِذَا سَأَلْتَ فَاسْأَلِ اللَّهِ وَإِذَا اسْتَعَنْتَ فَاسْتَعِنْ بِاللَّهِ وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ الْأُمَّةِ لَوْ اجْتَمَعَتْ عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَنْفَعُوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَنْفَعُوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ لَكَ If the entire humanity gets together to benefit you in some way, they can only benefit you to the extent Allah that has decreed. Iman is being taught to this child. وَإِجْتَمَعُوا عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَضُرُّوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَضُرُّوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ If they try to harm you in any way, the entire humanity with all their armory, with all their sophisticated weaponry, and anything and everything, they can only harm you to the extent that Allah Ta'ala has decreed. Rufi'atil aqlam wa jaffatil suhuf is all already, Allah Ta'ala has already decreed. A young child has been taught this. So this young child has been taught iman. So that effort on iman starts off at that young age. doesn't start off when the child is now in his teenage years. Starts off right at the very beginning. So this is the first effort we have to make is on Iman. Then, together with making an effort on Iman, we have to make an effort on A'mal. And this effort on A'mal, we find that in the dua, Ibrahim he's also making dua for the same thing. That's the height of it. That's the main thing. Effort on Salah, that that Salah must get established. And the salah is such a fundamental thing that we can never overemphasize it. And how much more can we emphasize it than by the way that Nabi Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, who is now married, and she is now gone to live with Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anha. It is mentioned in the riwayat that Kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yamurru bi bayti aishata siktata ashhurin. Yaqul ya ahl al bayt as salah. She's married, she's gone to live with Ali radiallahu ta'ala For six months after she got married, Nabi Islam daily at the time of Fajr is passing by her house, 
and by the door and he's shouting, O oh, people of the household, a salah. It's time for salah now. She grew up in the house of Nabi Sallallahu Was there any, can there be any even far away imagination that she's going to be neglectful of her salah? Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is teaching the ummah that to what extent you have to be concerned about the salah of your child, to inculcate salah in his life. So there's so much with regards to salah, Alhamdulillah, we would be sitting in the talim of the Fazal Kitabs after the Isha or whatever salah takes place and refreshing these lessons all the time, salah cannot be overemphasized. So this is the first thing in the amal, the salah. And together with that, all the other amal of deen. So the effort on iman, the effort on amal, and then the effort on akhlaq. Side by side all goes. The effort on akhlaq. And unfortunately, because akhlaq is dropping at such a scale, at such a rate, that now... The only values that are left are material values, illa mashallah. <coughs> and unfortunately, because our children grow up with material values only, or very little of anything else, then anything that comes in the way of that material values, material values can be summarized at the end in two things only. <coughs> how to earn the maximum wealth, and how to enjoy it to the best. Now, anything that comes in the way, that can be sacrificed. And if somebody's aged parents, elderly parents, they're sick parents, but now it's holiday time. Who's going to sit and look after this old man? So I can't. Time for my holiday now. I've got to go and carry on. Because that's the value. The value is material. And material has these two things. Earn it and enjoy it. And don't tolerate any obstacles in the way of enjoying it. So anything that seems to become an obstacle, one's own parents seem to become an obstacle, because the person is regarded as a burden now. To serve his parents, look after his parents, grandparents. So now that can be moved aside, they can be left wherever they wish to be. So, akhlaq, the effort on akhlaq. Nabi Islam is teaching akhlaq to a young child again. Like in the case of Iman, Nabi Islam is addressing Anas And he's saying to him, Ya Bunayya, O my beloved son, and the lesson here again, and all these things are taught with love. They are taught with compassion. There is a time when there is some incentive, there is a warning as well. We got to maintain the limits. But everything has to be overshadowed by love. By compassion. By shafqat. So Nabi Islam is saying to him, Ya Bunayya, In qadarta an tusbiha wa tumsiya, wa leesa fi qalbika ghishun li ahadin fa'al. Oh my beloved son, Cuts of it is that keep your heart clean of malice. He's a young boy, and Nabi Islam is teaching him a very essential aspect of akhlaq, keeping the heart clean of all kinds of ill feelings and malice, because this becomes a root to so many things. And again, he's not too small to be taught this. Nabi Islam is teaching a young child, and then he says, For inna dalika min sunnati, that is my sunnah, that is my way. So on the one hand, he's teaching him. Together with that, he's not just issuing an order. He is motivating him. Because Anas has deep love for Nabi Islam. Like every Ummati. So Nabi Islam is motivating him. That is my way. And the one who loves my Sunnah, my way, 
he'll be would be in Jannah. So what is the link? The link is that keep your heart clean of malice, and this is a ticket to be with Nabi Islam in Jannah. Nabi Islam is teaching this young child, young boy, teaching him akhlaq. The effort on iman, the effort on amal, the effort on akhlaq. These are three things, there's so many things, but we are summarizing in these three things that these are the primary efforts. <coughs> then the last principle is that, and, and in this one point, is that in teaching these aspects, this effort that we go to make, the one very fundamental thing is to teach and to lead by example. <coughs> to lead by example. And this too we learn from the ayat of the Quran Sharif, the dua that we are taught. That where we are taught, Rabbana hablana min azwajina wa dhurriyatina qurrata a'yun. And this is a dua that every parent must make every day repeatedly. <coughs> Earnestly, from the depths of our heart. Ya Allah, make our spouses and our offspring the coolness of our eyes. Qurrata <coughs> a'yun. And then, وَجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ imama. Ya Allah, make us the leader of the muttaqeen. In other words, all the, our offspring, our family, everybody must be muttaqeen. And we must be the leaders of the muttaqeen. So obviously we must be even on a higher level of taqwa than them. Otherwise it's going to be like the blind trying to lead the people with eyes. So we must be more with further vision. Ya Allah, make us greater muttaqis than them, so that we can lead by example. So often this becomes a very big confusion for a growing child. The Ustad, my Maulana told me, Maulim told me, somebody told me that this is important, make your day for Fajr. So he said, how do I come for Fajr now? Nobody is coming. My father is sleeping in the tent. So now he doesn't know whether what my father is doing now, he's sleeping, so it can't be too bad. Maulana said it, but it can't be too bad. Although how can my father be sleeping? Now he is not sure, after as time goes, he understands things. But either he starts taking those thoughts just for granted, or he starts losing respect for his father. Because now he's between two things, now where does he go? So to lead by example, and to take our children in the right direction by example. And then the last principle is that to engage our children. To engage them in the sense that to talk to them, to try and in the form of talking just general things also, engage them to see what is their thoughts, what are they thinking about, what is under the surface. On the top of the surface everything looks very fine, everything looks fine. But what is lurking beneath the surface? As many times unfortunately, after some time everything seems fine, a person is attending salah, everything else, then suddenly, which has happened several times, parents discover and he is distributing Shia literature on campus. He has become not just somebody influenced by them, he has become a promoter of Shiism. Now they are talking to him, he is not interested in anything. He's already gone so deep. He's already <coughs> gone into things which are unspeakable. Outwardly everything was looking so fine. So to engage them, Ibrahim is teaching us this again. Allah Ta'ala gives him the order that you have to slaughter your son. Now there was no question about him not fulfilling this. That was 100% to be done. But it has to be done to a child. So how is he going to respond to this? 
Whether he likes it or not, he's going to be made to respond. But first, just see what is his response. So Ibrahim Salaam says to him, Inni ra'afil, Inni ra'itu fil manami anni adbahuk. Fandur mada tara. I've seen myself in a dream slaughtering you. What do you have to say about this? He's asking what you have to say. Is he giving him a choice? That if you're not happy about it, then we'll call it off. No, it was not a choice. He was just wanting to test the response and see what is the thinking. This is the engaging. What is the thinking? And he hears the response. Ya abatif alma tu'mar. Oh, my father, you do what you have been commanded. And he gets the clear picture that this response is 100% on the dot. So, Alhamdulillah, what peace it gives him. What peace it gives the father. But the point that we learn from here is to engage our children. To try and ascertain what's going on under the surface. And if we detect something is not in order, then we have to address it. And in that process, motivate. In that process, take them forward. So these are the things, the principles. There are many other aspects Time is already out. The issue is, as we said at the beginning, that times may have changed. Many things might have been very different years ago, and it's very different now. The devices that we that we see we have now never was present in those days, and this is unfortunately one of the biggest challenges of the time. As we said, that we have to guide our children and make the correct effort on them in their amal. In their amal, one is the amal of what they need to do, and at the same time to save them from things that they should never be involved in. And in that regard, one of the biggest problems, unfortunately, are these devices in our hands. How many have fallen so deep with these things and have destroyed themselves in so many ways? Have destroyed themselves in terms of iman, in terms of akhlaq, in terms of values and morals have destroyed themselves physically also. Now the person says, time for me to get married now, I don't know whether, how, what I'm going to do. So where does all this stem from? This unsupervised use of these things. The internet, this world wide web, the spider that spins this web, doesn't spin it for people to come and admire, what a beautiful web. It spins it to catch those insects and flies. So this world wide web, <coughs> Unfortunately, many are getting caught in it like that spider spins and web for the flies and insects. And this net, internet, many a fisherman knows he started off fishing with a net. And this is such a net that he's catching huge fish. Unfortunately, Allah save us, we are getting caught like fish in it. And from way to way, a person doesn't realize in moments how he has lost his whole Ramadan how he's lost his whole etikaf, how he's lost his whole hajj, all the tears at Muldazam, all this got washed away. And Allah forbid that sometimes people say, sitting in Makkah Mukarramah and they're washing it away. And this is the challenge of the time. So we have to take them in the right direction. We have to advise them. Unfortunately, this has become the first gift. And then the next so-called achievement the child has made in the more later version. And what is the end result of it? We are seeing with our own eyes. How many families have been broken because of this we know. How many other disasters that have happened because of it we are aware of. So the issue is to also be vigilant in this regard. Give them the correct, correct things. 
provide some halal alternatives. We cannot expect that they are not, they're going to just sit idle or they're going to sit reading tasbih the whole day. We cannot expect it. There will be those rare situations, but we have to provide the halal alternatives, engage them, be with them, and we have to make sure that we do what is the best we can. As we said at the beginning, we'll be accountable for our effort. Every result is not in our hand, but the effort is in our hand. We have to make our utmost effort, and we have to make the dua, and we have to follow these principles. The first principle was the concern, the correct concern. Then the aspiration, that the aspiration must be deen, primarily deen. And then dua, and together with the dua, the dawa, that we have to make the effort on iman, on a'mal, what they need to do, what they need to refrain from, and akhlaq. And then together with that, the fifth thing we discussed was to engage them, to ascertain what is going on under the surface, so that if something needs to be addressed, we can then immediately address it. And for this, the key to all this is good company. The company of the righteous and pious, <coughs> sending them out in good hands, in the path of Allah Ta'ala, sending them in the company of the sulaha, and to sit in the company of the pious. And in this way, things rub off. This comes from this environment, this correct environment, this correct companionship. And in this way, that feelings of the jazbat of iman and of wanting to get closer to Allah wa ta'ala, this is imbibed and it drives the person forward in that direction. May Allah wa ta'ala give me and all of us a tawfiq and enable us to follow in the footsteps of the Ali Musallatu Salam and the teaching of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي فنعا عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ولمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تخلنا وترحمنا لنكون من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعف وتكرم وتجاوز عنا تعلم إنك أنت العز الأكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين وألحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مطونين اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه معين والحمد لله